Hello and welcome to this week's Stats Bomb Podcast with me, James York, and Ted Knutson. Big week in the NBA, Ted. Anthony Davis is once out. Uh, Paul Zingis has just been traded to the Mavs. It's all going on, but we've got to talk about the dismal transfer window instead. We can talk about Luka Doncic if you want to. He's really good. He is, <laughs> yeah. And he shouldn't be at the Mavericks, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> they swapped, they swapped, yeah, he, he ended up there because they swapped, they swapped him for Trey Young, who's, who's the kid that I like. Although his advanced stats aren't quite stacking up too good. Anyway, it does, it's not, we're not an NBA podcast. Not yet, anyway. There was this day. threat. So like, most of the guys who work at StatsBomb are actually NBA fans. And James has been sucked into the vortex. My yeah. son actually knows a lot more about NBA now than I do because he's been completely... Uh, deep diving into this and like all the stuff is available on youtube too like so many highlights and packages so it's actually much easier for worldwide fans to to kind of get introduced we're gonna swap him out swap you out for him to get him on the mic (laughs) i anytime is fine i'll go back to doing all the other things that i allegedly do anyway yeah transfers the january window is closed it was less exciting actually in the world of transfers. Yes, it, it was felt like a felt like a swizz. I feel like we've we've. I think we fell for this last year as well. Maybe maybe thinking like the last day would love would be good and there'd be stuff going on. Even the uh, the summer window has gone a little bit like this. You know, people tend to get a little bit more organised, and then the last day gets a bit a bit desperate. But yeah, yeah. you got to. Well, I think the yeah, there are lots of things going on there. But first of all, can we go back for a second? Can you define a swizz? A swizz. Is it something? Is it like a drink from Shrewsbury? <laughs> no, it's like a con. A con. Is a this con. an Englishism? I don't even know. It is. Yeah, like the, you know, the, the, what is promised and what the reality of a transfer window is um, very different. I think. <laughs> I, so, I like yeah. the, the the sort of very official. What is promised versus the reality? It, it sounds like much less uh, you know swizzy than the yeah. actual word. Well, this is it. You've got to mix things up. Anyway, it was a bit of a swizz, as <laughs> as I noted, with uh, you know the uh, uh, kind of mine alone being the headline, <laughs> headline kind of. Well, just uh, on the last day, I I think what we're seeing more and more is that teams are a bit more professional about how they go about this, and although weirdly, like stuff still gets pushed really late. Like if you're smart about it, you sign things early, and and that that actually leads to a little bit of boredom because you get the the information that gets doled out gradually, and these things get announced. But you know the reality is that's a much more sensible way than having deadline day deals that you know are are leveraged in various ways and, and costs and and what have you. And teams, like one of the interesting things behind the scenes is that you know teams do spend a lot more money and time and energy on recruitment, inbound recruitment these days. Um, the thing that they don't spend on that we are seeing uh, and it, kind of the story of this window was outbound. Um, you need to find landing places for the players that other people have made mistakes on, probably, not necessarily you, and, uh, and where to get them. And that, I think, has been a big story as we go through the individual list of this one. But um, I think it's worth going back and talking about a lot of the things that we've predicted. You know, We've been doing this podcast for quite a long time, not necessarily weekly. Um, and we've talked about you know, stuff that we're seeing and stuff that we think is nonsense coming out of the the narrative or people overreacting to things, and so like you know, I, I put together a little list of uh, of stuff that that we predicted coming to pass that I think is is you know, basically true. Now, obviously, we've also predicted things that were wrong. Go ahead, you know that's fine. But you know, these can't, are the- can't remember any, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> So what's the first thing on the list there, James? <clears throat> uh, the, the Neymar and Mbappe prices were aberrations and not the new norm. And I think that's that's that, that's pretty much 
stands up for itself. Like the name, the Neymar deal was obviously, I think it was a buyout, um, and then the Mbappe deal was just a, you know, probably a generational talent kind of thing. And um, uh, yeah, we haven't we haven't seen prices kind of like you know, I guess the Coutinho deal as well. That was a. <laughs> I'm a little bit of Coutinho, a little bit of um, Usman Dembele, but like those were all knock-ons, right? So like this, it, yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, you, you have the the ripple from from the stone being the giant rock that landed in the water of the Neymar buyout at 220 million or whatever euros, and then everything else from that is a bit of a ripple. And, and man, Barcelona fans are not happy with that Coutinho price at all. And that's kind of the the thing, you know, like they felt desperate that they needed to to restock and. And to be very fair to them, I think that this window felt more like uh, an American sport sort of almost closed salary cap window than any time that I've seen it before. There are a lot of teams that have like average talent that they may have overpaid for. They need to sort of get rid of it. Some salary dumps, like things that are very clearly salary dumps, as we would call them on the U.S. sports side. You don't really see that uh, historically. But that comes comes to the second thing that we talked about a lot, which is that overspending on average players from before is really digging into the spending power of these clubs now. And your mistakes that you make, even the sort of the little ones or the, the things you overestimate or the players that you buy too late and then give like a four or five year deal, like those are really kind of digging into the ability of these teams to reshape their, their squads and, and to buy better players. Like they're stuck. It's something I've really kind of thought about, but I was wondering if um, financial fair plays have, have had an impact on that, or you know, if if people are trying to keep within within parameters, you know, if they have got these kind of leftover players kind of clogging up their wage bill, and they're look, you know, not all teams are looking pragmatically and trying to keep within it. I know Tottenham are an example of a team that has very much been <laughs> prudent in in finances over the years, and in recent times has been loath to load up on you know added talent um when they might not feel like they've got room in the squad for it so yeah the whole kind of idea around fixed you know more more of a kind of fixed squad size and and that kind of aspect of it has probably impacted it too well i i'm not sure that's true um the premier league has agreed to their own sort of salary wage constraints and that's definitely it's something that you keep in mind but really it's just like there's a lot of of dead contracts that are players that aren't giving minutes and we'll talk a little bit about those layers too uh, or later um but yeah i don't know it's like you know everton west ham um these teams are often trying to to get outbounds but the the other difficulty is that you know teams on the continent don't want to pay those wages they can't they literally cannot afford to pay those wages and so it's hard to find homes for them without eating the money but you know, you need to eat the money, part of the money, in order to like you know save additional money because those guys aren't going to play for you. I look at Chelsea's squad uh, even now; they've got what? What do you what do you flag up? Like four players that have tiny amounts of minutes that are just there. Yeah, like Gary, Gary Cahill is a good example. You know, England international, um, you know, highly decorated, thirty-one years old, still still got a couple of years in him for someone somewhere. He's got twenty-one minutes in the league this season. Uh, Zappa Costa, who's you know perfectly serviceable kind of right-sided defender, um, he's got 18 minutes this season. I mean, I went through the list of, of players, and um, 
yeah, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, again, you know, starred for England at times in the World Cup. He's got one start in the Premier League. I went through a list of players, and I completely missed off Drinkwater because I was looking at a play- list of players who'd actually played in the Premier League this season. And, you know, Drinkwater, Drinkwater title winner three years back. He's only 28. You know, it's, he's got a level that he can perfectly adequately exist within and contribute. But at the moment, he's, you know, his, his career's just completely stalled. And you think, you know, his... Is, is, is the agent not kind of pushing a bit? If there, you know, if there was a World Cup coming in this summer, then you'd be like, yeah, these these guys would have found found their way to to get some playing time, you'd imagine. But with a kind of empty summer, it, you know, and there's only 14 Premier League games left this season. It's it's not long till the summer, but it just feels like that. Perhaps that sense of urgency just isn't there. And you're right about the wage thing. You know, if if you know, you imagine you know, for a Chelsea, particularly a top six club that you know historically pays well. They're going to be on decent contracts. These are, and you know, finding teams that are going to match these contracts or even match them to, a, you know, a high percentage is possibly harder than you could think. I mean, it's they got Batshuayi out finally. Um, well, not finally; he's been out out before, but they got him out into the prem, Premiership, Premier League this time. Um, but yeah, it felt like there was more work that could be done there that hasn't been really. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that element going on where. Mishi was, well, the media stories that Mishi was really throwing his weight around about where he wanted to go. Mm. And it's not just him. Like you mentioned Vincent Jensen, uh, I think last last podcast. Um, and and I, I kind of asked about him. And, and, you know, we talk about these guys as players and they are, but they're also assets and they're like, uh, they're, they're liabilities in some cases because you've got contracts that, uh, the, the thing about those three Chelsea players or three of the four is that they're all English, right? And so like, yeah, yeah. Need, need them for homegrown squad rules. Um, not that Chelsea should have a problem with this, but again, you know, the, the things are weird. Um, <clears throat> but the, the player power stuff is, is another thing that we had talked about quite a bit. And, and I very clearly predicted that we will see more players start to throw their weight around and, and leverage their late contracts. Like you want to be able to to control your contract so that you get like a really big deal or so that you and your signing bonus uh, comprise a lot of the, the transfer fee and goes into your pocket as opposed to the club. And the clubs have to be really careful about that. Uh, so like Arsenal with Aaron Ramsey, who they bought quite cheap when he was young, uh, have, you know, didn't get anything for him. He signed on for a signing on fee to, to go to Juve and, and the, the, Wage packet is absolutely massive. And then we talked a little bit about Arsenal keeping Ozil when he ran down his contract. And, you know, they looked at it as in order to replace Ozil, we'd have to pay somewhere between 25 and 40 million pounds probably. And uh, then we would also have to pay wages on top of that for a good player. You know, so we'll end up giving Ozil a lot of it. But now his contract is so big because of the way that this type of concept is structured that... You know, no one wants to take him on board at all, and you can't even get a fee. You actually have to eat a lot of his contract in order to to move him out. Um, but I think the player power stuff is is quite interesting. Like Jensen allegedly has been buried because he refused a loan uh, to West Brom at one point. Is that is that your understanding? And then he he didn't go anywhere again. Um, yeah, I don't actually know exactly what's going on with him. There's there's. <laughs> he's 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 clearly not. He's fallen out of Pochettino somewhere along the way for whatever reason. But everyone's, everyone's no making, one's ever done that before, James. He's the only one. <laughs> everyone's making very like positive noises about everything is fine and that. But yeah, he hasn't managed to 
find his way out of the club this time. So he's been he was been injured all autumn, but basically it's a season out of his career because he's not going to get any minutes for for Tottenham coming unless you know, I mean is the Chinese window still open that's always a always an option I mean I think at one point everyone thought everyone thought the Chinese the Chinese money was like the passport to, to everything and you know they're still buying players to, to some regard but possibly not at the rate that they were um, and yeah it's it's not quite the the solution to everyone's problems that perhaps people thought it was going to be at one point I talked so, a bit on Twitter about Jensen, and if I were a director of football there, like what would I want to do in order to kind of stabilize his value? Because right now his value is just free falling. Mm. You're just you're just eating the contract year after year. If you can't fix it, then what do you do? And and like the answer is you need to loan him someplace where people have some comfort about what they're seeing. So if he performs well in like the championship, which would be a good place for him to go. And I think he actually could perform decently in the championship. Like he's very strong, like pretty good pace. As long as he's, his injuries haven't you know completely eaten his physical ability, he might be all right. Um, but, you know, he looks at it and is like, well, that's not very interesting to me. I'm, I, I feel like I'm a better player than that. Um, but you need to find a place where if he's never going to play for you again, which seems to be the case, yeah. you, you need to give potential buyers – enough information that they can be comfortable buying him uh, and pay you the fee that you want. And, you know, I also talked about Levy. Like, Levy's thrown money away from being tough in various ways, right? So you look at it and, oh, he's, he's this amazing deal maker. Well, sometimes, but he's also had plenty of deals taken off the table that of guys that they definitely did not want because, you know, he, he is being very tough negotiator. And so, like, it, it goes a bit of both ways. You need, to, you need to realize when your hand isn't as strong as you think it is and know what your, your eventual outcomes are. Uh, you know, Dembele was, was heavily shopped before this past window. They got a fee for him. Great. But, like, you know, they also left probably 10 to 15 million on the table because they, they didn't get a fee or they didn't get him outbound uh, before this window, like last summer, uh, plus whatever his wages were, too. So that's he, that's he, quite he, unusual, actually. I mean that. I mean, and it felt like, to some degree, that the reason Dem, one of the reasons Dembele didn't move in the summer was the fact that no one was inbound and no one replaced him. Although obviously he's left now and nobody's replaced him, but <laughs> like <there's>, <laughs> it, it was. It definitely felt like there like there was a, a subtle change in in Tottenham's kind of dynamics with regards to transfers this last summer. At least in part because there wasn't a big sale that could power some purchases. Um, well, I think this w- is a good time to talk about Spurs. Like they have literally the first time that has ever happened in top flight football, uh, at least in in the Premier League. I know it didn't start football didn't start in 1993, but um, yeah, it's the it's the only time that a team has gone an entire season without buying a player. Yeah, I mean that's it. Lucas Moore is the last player to arrive at the end of the last transfer window. There's all the, you know, I think we've hinted on this before. All the gossip is that Pochettino only wants players that are going to improve his first team, and obviously there's a there's a slight disconnect between improving Tottenham's first team, which to be fair is a pretty good team, and uh, the possible wages that you might need to require require to to secure that type of player. It frustrates me a little bit because it feels like there's an absence of looking for the younger player that could build and grow into being uh, that kind of quality, much like Ali or Ericsson or whoever, that they've bought at reasonably low prices and, and developed and, and grown. Um, it's They're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place in, in that regard. To, but, I don't know, it's 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 hard, it's hard to say. It feels like it feels like you can get away with it now and as long as they stay into the top four 
to the end of the season they can get away with it this summer is a completely different story though I mean they, they, if if Ericsson tools off somewhere and you know they need, they're going to have to buy buy someone to replace him and they are going to have to kind of rejig the squad probably probably three or four players I'd say in the summer well every squad has a lifespan Mm. there is no such thing as staying staying still and having everything be the same because that's not how life works and it's the same thing for football teams um you know somebody gets injured and it costs them a little bit of their ability to produce or somebody else actually gets better and they get older and they improve because their pocatino is a great manager that actually is a bonus that you want right you mm. want to buy young players and have your amazing coach coach them up that is an advantage to you uh if that is a problem or a disconnect between the two like that's an issue right because you know he is making players better and you can buy them for cheaper and then bring them on on through um the other thing that that happens here is, you know, there's only so much time that, that things can stay the same in football before, like, your players will age out of that productivity. And, you know, this squad came in. He's done a really good job with them. They've been quite young. They had, you know, Erickson in his prime, uh, Lamella, unfortunately. But, like, a pair of fullbacks that they sort of have had through their prime as well, uh, Ben Davies, Trippier. Like, all of those guys were bought in, like, the right window. He's coached them up. He's had had them. What happens in a year from now, though? Like that, yep. as, as Tottenham get on the backside of, of that curve, you have to replace them or you will crash. Yeah, this is it. I mean, it's, it, it it will come to a fall like sooner, sooner rather than later. And um, yeah, <laughs> no more windows with no no signings, I don't think. It's it just, just really weird. Spurs are really weird. And I get like sometimes I think it might even be advantageous to have a cleansing period where you don't make many buys. You're like, one or two, if they're great, we'll bring them in, they'll improve us. But, you know, Spurs are like right on the cusp of like, you know, they could have gone for it. It feels like the league was was potentially there over the last, you know, maybe, maybe not last year. But, you know, could they have potentially been right there with City and Liverpool this year? I don't they're know. They're two points behind City, Ted. <laughs> Seven points behind Liverpool. It's they have no on. squad, James. I'm, ca- I'm calling it now. It's on. They have no midfield squad. Midfield of Harry Winks and Musa Sissoko is going to win this title. Well, anyway, this is my point. They <laughs> they backed themselves into this spot. If they if they'd invested a little more, like maybe that that could have been right there, you know. And they are there, but I'm I'm already, it's already cost me a hundred pounds, so I'm not going to talk further about <laughs> any races. But I, I just look at it, and it doesn't seem super realistic. He's done a great job. No one's. I, I think Daniel Story was pointing out that Spurs could literally double their wages and then sign nine players on a hundred k a week, and they'd still have a lower wage bill than City or something like that. And yeah, you've got a new stadium and and these things, but you know, there's a thing as being over prudent and costing yourself a chance at, at having like a really special season. Well, it is is the possibility that the combination of the manager and the chairman are both <laughs> are both contributing their own little uh, uh, side to this situation. So it could just be the perfect stroke, imperfect storm is with that regard. Um, it's, it's an not, amazing season. Never mind. Spurs are so much better than they used to be. I'll shut up. He's the anti Redknapp. He's you know he's not <laughs> he's not looking to not looking to do a deal like late on and whatever. So. Right, should we, should we talk about some of the... Trans, some transfers did actually happen, Hang amazingly. on, one more. Yeah, go on. The other team that's really weird, aside from Spurs, and Spurs are, like, incredibly weird, is Chelsea. And the reason why it's weird is because of how different they are now versus how different they used to be. So when, when a new manager would come in, Chelsea would spend a bunch of money and 
provide him with the best team possible to go after a title within his first two years. Like that happened again and again and again. And they were good at it, right? They were good at identifying the top tier talent, however they did it, and and sort of retooling their squad for him to be able, or for whomever that new person was, to contend for titles. And it happened. That did not happen with Sari this year. It again didn't happen this window. They got Iguain, which was... I don't know if it's a waste of money. I'm very low on this deal. Um, I think that, you know, he, he won't stick around. Like, you saw him. Sorry says that he's not fit. Yeah, obviously. If anybody scouted him, you would see he's not fit. So I don't know what the, the deal is there. But think about Chelsea and also how much, like, they have a, a net positive transfer spend for, like, you know, recent years. Um, you know, Oscar going to China and various players. They, they have, again, an aging squad. What's going on there? Like, and there, there were all these rumors about Abramovich wanting to sell, um, the issues that, with him, like, getting another extended visa or something like that. You know, is, is that what's here? Are, are Chelsea, you know, are, are they not going to be contenders anymore? That's a, yeah, an interesting point. I haven't really thought about. You just kind of presume that they'll, they'll just fix themselves but specifically that defeat at the weekend you know 4-0 away at Bournemouth and you know these things can happen but these just don't even even when Mourinho was like falling apart at Chelsea they didn't get hammered like that and it suddenly suddenly kind of magnified the whole oh right if that happens many more times Sarri isn't even going to make it past the summer you'd imagine because you know the the line is is quite thin when it comes to succeeding and not at Chelsea you know you don't get too many chances to uh you know, to to rebuild, um, and yeah. they have they have the assets to be able to to sort of still stay at, at net spend zero, right? They they sell some guys, they bring in you know some top tier talent. Like it's easy for them to generate revenue and sell off some people. They instead get loan fees, but again, like that's all there. I don't I don't really understand it, and it makes me me question kind of where they're going to go for their, this year and next. You know, you the sorry situation is basically Frank De Boer light. Um, you know, they brought in a manager as a very particular style. They have not staffed that squad to be able to pull off that style, and he's struggling a bit with it. It's still a decent squad, but what did, they just basically bought Jorginho, which was an important bit. They've taken the best player in the world at his position and moved him to an eight, which some people are like, oh, he's been really good. Look, <laughs> you could make Messi a, a center midfielder, and I think he'd be great. That doesn't mean it's the right choice. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think Chelsea are, are particularly weird given their circumstances, what they spent, what the, how they went about it. Like, this is an, an odd window for them, and we should have seen more movement, and we didn't. So, what's up? Pulisic incoming. That's, I mean, that was the, that was, I think I had a list of like the, the biggest transfers of the, of, um, of the window, and I think that's the that's the biggest one. Obviously, you know he's not coming till the summer. But there was um. So that's another weird deal. That fee was said to be overinflated because Chelsea might be facing a transfer ban in the summer. Um, they if they're facing a transfer ban in the summer, shouldn't they have been moving for guys this window? What is going on? It doesn't add up. Yeah, no, it's quite strange. But I thought it, would, it struck me there was a lack of um, you know, the list of big transfers. Milan spent a, a few quid on. Two players, Bequeta and Piatek. Uh, Paris Saint Germain bought Paradise in, and there's just a lack of kind of um, Premier League clubs spending like reasonably large fees this window. So, you know, you look at the biggest transfers across the across the window, and that Chelsea um, Pulisic transfer kind of stands out. And then beyond that, it's like, well, considering how wealthy the Premier League is, 
nobody spent that much money and it felt like a lot of the window was just just about kind of reserves like moving your moving reserves into finding you know playing time elsewhere yeah and i think yeah, I mean we've got our list. We've got our list of transfers that we thought were notable. Balassi was one of them. I mean he he'd been at been at Villa in the first half of the season. I, I haven't watched any Villa, but I had a quick look at his numbers and stuff, and it was like, hmm, oh, you'd want a little more from Balassi if in uh, maybe he's not maybe he's not at the form he he was before his injury, and then now off to Andalex. I mean it, it, he's 29 years old. I mean Andalex are perfectly decent side but you just feel like the Belgian league isn't isn't where you ideally move your career to so you wonder what's you know what what's the story with him from going forward um I mean he was unlucky to get injured and you know you, you can't necessarily blame Everton for uh for, for the outcome in that regard but we definitely blame them for the fee they paid for the player they bought <laughs> it looked like a lot the, of money the only reason time. why they even got a pass on that was because uh Sissoko happened in the same window <laughs> <laughs> yeah I took the, took the flack for that Sissoko perfectly serviceable Premier League midfielder for future champions Tottenham Hotspur anyway it doesn't matter um <laughs> <laughs> so he did we've done we've done Mitchie haven't we we've done, uh, just to talk about a fit for Mitchie at Palace like they've got uh, are you who's who's kind of like hard-working non-scoring forward I'm sorry I'm, I'm dying on this you, the fit for Mishi at Palace and I'm just like what fit like Roy doesn't like his guys to attack well yeah because I mean I've, I I dislike this kind of like Zahar uh, Townsend double prong attack that they've had going on Benteke's Benteke's are like you know, had scoring issues but I, I think is, that they've written off Benteke they, no one knows how to fix him it, it's it's uh it's Roberto Soldado. I don't, but you you find it hard to envisage that their midfield needed retooling as much as anything. Palace's midfield needs a little bit of a little bit of nous in it to go alongside the kind of big solid guys that they kind of um, Champions League player see. Max Meyer there. Well, yeah, I mean that he's he's the one that you kind of like hope that could like provoke a little spark there and he's fine you know, it was an interesting signing but you know apart from that it didn't feel like a, another forward i mean Michi is an upgrade on those guys so you know he didn't have a good time at valencia valencia had really weird valencia finishing had the weirdest season I, I it's actually difficult for me to figure out like whether Michi is broken uh which might be possible because he had a couple different injuries or whether like valencia was just so weird like the this vortex of of footballing oddity that it just it didn't work out there because of that. Um, I know that other clubs that you know might be higher up the food chain than Palace, um, you know, were looking at Mishi and interested. And in fact, there was a rumor that he he wanted to go to Spurs, and that didn't happen. Um, so yeah, I, if he is fit, we think he's actually pretty good. I don't think that you'll necessarily see that at Palace, but we'll find out. They have definitely had problems at center forward. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's another odd one where you know he ends up there because he needs a home. He, he kind of seems to have you know, chosen a little bit. the the uh, The really odd one that came in last night was Markovic. Yeah, t- I, I don't think I saw that. I mean, I, was, I kind of had half an eye on it all all last night, and it was like didn't see that at all. And he's just rolled up on a free like Liverpool. I mean, presumably he didn't have long in his contract left. Maybe maybe he did. I'm sure I was talking to someone recently. I'm sure he might have got eighteen months on it, but I don't know. Um, they've just cut their losses. Just like, now nah, go go. And uh, he's gone off, gone to Fulham. Yeah, who are scrabbling for anything 
Um, Fulham signings have been weird, haven't they? Because they spent good money on, on in the summer on what looked like a mix of promising and kind of like name talents, and then this window has felt like right, who's who 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 who's got a pulse? What can we grab? Yeah, right, thirty-year-old Ryan Barbel from Turkey, yeah. uh, Markovic on a free, um, Harvard Nordvite's coming on loan from uh, the Bundesliga, and you know he didn't really pull up any trees when he was in England before at West Ham. Um, it does feel a bit. Well, I guess it's sticking rather than twisting. Maybe I don't know. It's uh, they're they're searching and they know that they really want to stay up. It's going to be very expensive for them if they go down. Uh, they do have talent in that squad. Ranieri probably wasn't built for him. Um, and their wide forwards, I sure there was such a dumb signing. And also, like I watched Dennis Adoy get picked to bits on the weekend, and I say like, that guy, you just want to keep you know, pushing at him until he breaks and he will break multiple times in a game, which has been one of their, their problems. So, I mean, they needed help in the right areas. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing where like some teams are buying players that don't seem to fit their needs or loaning players don't seem to fit their needs. But yeah, it's a, uh, Fulham was a, a funny one. Uh, Markovic, very odd. And actually I, a friend of ours, uh, a friend of the pod, uh, Benji, linked me to the the Markovic uh, transfer window. And I was quite critical of some elements of it. Uh, I thought that I was going to be wrong about Divac Origi. Was, uh, this was when they paid, I think, $10 million And he, he was like barely blooded, had nothing indicating that he was going to be good. Um, and, and people were like, oh, as a young player, you know, Liverpool, blah, blah, blah. Markovic, I remember arg- arguing with um, uh, Tor Carlson who used to do transfer stuff back on the, the Guardian. I was like, man, I'm not sure about this one. And then once we got the date on it, I was like definitely negative on Markovic. And I think Adam Lalana was the top end of that. And <laughs> then they extended him. Uh, but most of those guys are coming off of contract this time around. So as you mentioned, like Markovic going for a free, there's like, look, just take him, please. Anybody? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's had his loans and they haven't really, really worked out. So He's only 24. But nothing has worked out. Same as Janssen. You know, it's mad, it's mad, mad, really. You know, these these guys have got potentially careers ahead of them, and they've they feels like they've been kind of lost in lost in between dimensions for multiple seasons. It's bizarre. And pe- people are on on the pod like, why aren't you guys talking about you know players that are exciting? And they're like looking at the list. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is it. This, this is what we've got to work with. Thanks transfer window bloody hell I mean right who else have we got let's, let's move on we've got Jacob Murphy back to the championship at West Brom now, so he, I was, he was yeah, what, do you, what do you think about him I didn't know too much about this guy well he I think he was part of a, he's one of two Murphy brothers uh, mm. who were at Norwich who when I visited there a couple of years ago they were like really excited about them and then they bought Sergi Canos and then had to get rid of Sergi Canos because like he played the same position as one of the brothers who would eventually go on to Newcastle. And Rafa bought um, Murphy last year. And the the weird thing, I mean, it's pretty big fee, right? Like 12 to some odd million. Right. Um, he got some playing time last year, like 1490s. And just like no generation, clearly worse than league average at age 23. Right. Um, on the flip side, like Newcastle don't attack much. So if you adjust it, like maybe he's around league average. But, uh, you know, you compare what Murphy did uh, a couple years older to what, um, say, Tammy did and in, in Swansea. Uh, and you're like, all right, Tammy's output was probably twice or better good than, than Murphy's was. So, like, you know, there, there, are thing, there are factors involved and neither team uh, attacks a bunch. 
Um, so Nordvide to Fulham, we've got on our list, Bolasi Anderlecht. So there's a, there's a funky one here, and people have been asking me to parse it, and I'm going to tell you, I don't really know, um, which is the Adrian Silva, uh, who, <laughs> who Leicester didn't sign at the right time. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. And and then he kind of showed up and didn't have a position, and then and now he's off to to Monaco, who have had the weirdest gear that I can remember. Uh, <laughs> and, and then it's a swap loan, swap loan <laughs> for Yuri T. Elements, who um, you know widely touted as one of the best young midfielders to come out of the Belgian league in recent times, went to Monaco. They're not going to use him. Maybe he's not happy. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I was really negative on Dendonker, who I think went to Wolves. I thought somebody was going to yeah, make yeah. a big mistake on Dendonker. But I'm fairly positive on Tielemans. And I, what we don't know is like if there's a, a buy clause on Tielemans or not. Um, but yeah, I, I have no way of knowing what's going on there. It's intriguing. Like in the dark, if you wanted to loan Tielemans, it's pretty smart for Leicester. Leicester seemed to be doing fairly smart things the last two windows so. yeah it, it Leicester are interesting because they have like they've retooled loads of their squad with young players but then something like the silver deal is, is just one of those ones I remember when it happened it was like that's a lot of money for someone coming out of Portugal yeah. who's like 27 28 he was like 20 odd million or 22 million or something and you look at what what do they get out of him he got nine starts in his first season one start this season so he's just been completely out of it I don't know if he's had injury problems but regardless he's you know it hasn't worked at all he's he's back, he's out on loan and then yeah Tielemans feels like the kind of kind of player that you would want to take a chance on and like get in and around your squad I don't know if they've got a buy option on him I mean, you would hope they would but um, yeah the, you know the, the, there's interesting things going on at Leicester you know they, they've it's taken them time to kind of like trans translate out of um, their title winning side and and actually not give all their players jobs for life kind of thing you know heritage. I think that was the transition was complicated by the fact that they had to tool up for the Champions League as well and they wanted mm. to make a run at that and so they they spent some expensive money on like a guy like Salah or Slimani who has barely played um, and you know a number of other elements inside yeah. of that uh, but they've done some what we look at now for the last two windows seems to be fairly clever and the right plan if you wanted to retool for the future. They've had a few of these, haven't they? Like Slimani, like Ibora, who's already gone back as well. Like I hated that signing. Yeah, Absolutely I hated it. <laughs> you, did, you, you could all of these at the time. You're like, mm, they're really expensive for you know for what for what they probably are. And yeah, I I didn't like any of those signings, and none of them none of them really worked out. But then, I, like I say, I do like I have liked. You know other purchases that they've made. I mean, well, I, and I like that they're playing the kids and they're blooding their kids and they're letting them get experience. Like all of that matters. Like Madison looks like a good young player. Uh, Kalechi's getting some play. Uh, they've got Ricardo on the on the right, who you know has. It took him a little while to adapt to the league, but he really causes problems for a lot of teams. People are, are ranting and raving about Puel not you know, producing a style they like or something like that. Look, that's not his job this year. His job is to is to keep them mid table in the league. Let the kids get experience, get better. Um, you know, next year probably a similar thing. Although maybe you know, with one or two buys, they get a chance. But 
these mid-table teams are basically buying long-term annuity lottery tickets. Like, and and Lester did it. They did it, and so like they're like, maybe we can do it again if we do it right. You want to buy the best talent if you're sort of that that lower tier that you can just either roll into more and more money and bigger talents or that will graduate into being a very competitive team that might spike a Champions League or in a case of a down year can spike a title. Less, or Liverpool have done that too. Liverpool used to finish 7th and 8th <laughs> and they got real smart and they sold off guys like Coutinho for huge money. Someone was poking at you for not selling Ericsson on the Spurs, by the way. Could have turned them into a couple different good players as well. Um, and 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 like that's the right way to do it if you're not Manchester United and Manchester City. Um, that's it's just it's almost the only way to do it. You've got players, you know, Chilwell, Chowdhury, um, Barnes, all all have come through that like, you know, the young players that have come through and have managed to get like part Ooh. of the. First yeah, Harvey Danger started immediately. That was amazing. Yeah, and, and that's and that's good because he's, he's he's had a couple of loan spells. He had a loan spell at Barnsley where he looked good. He had a loan spell at um, West Brom where he looked good. You know, that's what you want from your, your loan players. Right, did they go and look good somewhere? Okay, right, let's bring them back. And if you're Leicester, you can give these players, you know, some starts. It might be cup games to start with, or it might be the occasional Premier League game. But you can actually do that. You know, you haven't. it's not like Chelsea, where if a guy comes back from loan, he's, he's you know, he's not going to see the first team for three years if he's lucky. You know, and that's, that's definitely a kind of advantage that, uh, you know, a team... That isn't it at the very top of the Premier League can actually, you know, give give players chances. So let's fast know, forward through some nothings as we're going along here. Shinji Takagawa to Besiktas. Uh, yeah, that. I mean, he was a, he was a good player in his time, wasn't he? Uh, he? And he's not even that. I can't. Somehow he's not ancient. I think he's twenty nine. Mm. But yeah, wandering off to Besiktas does feel like a kind of let's. <laughs> we're off to the retirement league. See you later. Sam Vokes to Stoke for a fee. Crouchy back in the Premier League. I think I was surprised at Vokes. I mean, his Vokes not figured. I, I haven't really followed that. I mean, I, I was kind of surprised that he was he was on the outs at Burnley. Um, I have to say, I have to say with Crouch, I've have just got I'm highly attracted to the idea that Crouch uh, just basically is a special teams guy forever. Literally, <laughs> literally, never retires. Five five minutes a game max when you need a goal or you need just someone to come and cause some havoc up front. He could do it forever, you know. Podcast hero, <laughs> much loved, special teams guy, never Master retires. Master of the mixer. It's you know Crouch. <laughs> oh, the, the, the great the great thing about Crouch. I remember when you know he's thirty eight now. I remember him when he was like twenty or whatever it was, and he had a little time at Spurs. And then he went to QPR. I mean, he's a long, long career and done done amazingly well. You know, t- talented guy clearly, slightly unique. But I remember like you know for the first time we ever spotted him and uh, like you know playing. It's like oh my god, look at that guy. Yeah, like, no one looks like him. This is amazing. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a stork playing football. Yeah, and he was, and you know, this is many many years before going to anything like stars or anything. It was just like, oh, this guy's fun. Let's root for him. And then, like I say, I've had a marvelous career. Scored, I scored overhead kicks at times, and and been really surprisingly flair. Better uh, with his feet than he ever got credit for. <laughs> Uh, it's almost it's almost at the point now where where he's got enough credit for for, for yeah. being good with his feet because uh, you know everyone's everyone's been relentlessly surprised at that but still Consi- going back consistently in the unfairly penalised uh, for lots of fouls that were just because he was tall. Um, 
one of the biggest upgrades in his own attractiveness versus that of his spouse of anybody that you'll ever see. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like the Rico Kasich, Rico Kasich versus Pauli, or marrying Paulina Poroskova when she was at like the height of, uh, of supermodeldom. That was basically what Crouchy ended up with. And he's actually hilarious. He's actually really entertaining. So uh, we, we do like Peter Crouch, not least because he's one of the leaders from last year in the completed back heel stat from Statsball Data. Yeah, no, that was fun. No, <laughs> this dude's got flair. But, yeah, who who doesn't want, want good things for Crouchy to, to happen? Although, uh, I do occasionally look at podcast lists to see how, how successful our podcast is. And his podcast is amazingly Aww. successful. So, he's we're coming for you, Crouch. We're going to well, knock you off he can, your push. Maybe you know, when we, when we finally do our, our guest spots uh, <laughs> this year that James is going to set up, uh, maybe uh, Peter Crouch can, uh, can come yeah. on. Yeah. We'll see about that. All right. Anyway, who else? Who else? We got a few. Well, well, let's fast forward to like some bigger names, real quick, before we. Are we there get any to the, bigger? The are any bigger names? Almiron set the the Newcastle transfer record. Uh, so Miguel Almiron from Atlanta United, champions of MLS, uh, is going up north to to Geordie World. This yeah, this is a fascinating deal because um, you don't get much kind of like prime age talent coming through MLS and you know moving into moving into the big the big leagues normally it's, it's the other way around older you didn't players. used to you see it more now hmm. and i mean yeah you get some young some if you're young <laughs> like you know alfonso davis or something then then teams will you know yoink you out of there quite quite sharpish but yeah some some 24 years old and and, and like a, a reliable consistent attacking contributor in mls the you know how this trans it's almost a shame he's gone to newcastle because you've He's not going to kind of get a free run at um, in to you know to run the attack. You think it's a little going to be a little bit more kind of constrained, but a fascinating data point as to as to how how he translates and if if he can succeed um, at, at a higher level. I think the defending is so much better in the yeah. Premier League. It's All just, the MLS you know. fans are going to be absolutely just rooting for this guy just to rip it up. So you know from from that perspective, I kind of hope he does well and. You know, seems a nice kid. <laughs> Good luck to him. But New Newcastle's a tough place to land. Sometimes he's lovely. Uh, Newcastle attack is barely that in name. Uh, he was very good in MLS. The problem, as I, I was saying earlier, and accidentally talking over you, is that the the defenses that he will face are much better, like much better physical athletes than you will see in MLS, and obviously much better. Well generally better readers of the game as well. Um, so we'll see. It's an interesting data point. It doesn't mean that he won't succeed. It just means that there's a, a good bit of risk involved there. Um, so that one happened, uh, and good luck to him. Uh, Dennis Suarez. Yeah. Uh, is, is loaned to Arsenal. Is that, is that got a loan to buy or not? I can't remember. No, it's uh, it's not an obligation. It's an option. Okay, yeah. I, mean, I, th- I think I was a little bit more enthusiastic about that once I kind of put together that the manager knew him and he's played for him before. Now, that's not always a you know a good thing, quite often the opposite. But I think in this in this situation, you know, he's not too old. I don't like people buying these Barcelona cast offs that haven't played for two years. I mean I think we covered Suarez before, but it it just bugs me. There's there was an interesting thing floating around Arsenal Twitter yesterday, which would be that like San Leji and uh Emery are involved in helping try to get Monchi to Arsenal to like sort of get together part of that Sevilla access. 
I'm just like, <laughs> like I have like this big frowny, grumpy face on. I don't even know if that works anymore. I don't know what's happening at the club. Um, this isn't a bad loan. It's fine. They need wide forwards. They need somebody that can progress the ball via dribble and that can create for teammates. Uh, we'll see. It's not exciting though. It's not, is it? And the you know the the idea of whether Arsenal got money or not just kind of floats around. I'm sure, I think it was a Swiss Ramble, wasn't there? The, like Swiss Ramble did Arsenal recently. It's always worth a look. Um, I can't imagine anyone listening hasn't heard of Swiss Ramble. Always worth a look to see what's going on in the finances uh, of clubs. And uh, I'm pretty sure he painted a picture of like the talk of Arsenal having no money to spend is at odds with these these numbers we're seeing in the accounts. So yeah. One wonders about that. That was an interesting little subplot that kind of came out of that. So, should we talk about all the guys that Spurs signed? Yep. <laughs> We've done this. We, silent. we hint that we've done this already. It's it's. Uh, we did this at the start. We don't need to go back to it. It's fine. I don't care. We'll play three centre backs instead of a midfield. That's how it works. <laughs> uh, we have lots of centre backs. <laughs> Two, two quick points before we wrap this up. Um, one, so we've been talking a lot about young English talent and it's fascinating to watch the Bundesliga send waves of scouts into into Britain. Um, I'm going to leave off any sort of metaphors about the war there because, you know, Brexit has uh, has particularly piqued people on that recently. But um, yeah, so Germany's sending lots of scouts to, to Britain to watch all of the young players. And they're really just buying on spec now. So many of the teams have loaned or bought guys that look good at the academy level, thinking that they're going to be Jaden Sancho or um, you know Rice Nelson or any of the players that are succeeding over there. And we just don't know. But um, I flagged that up because I saw that Jerome Sinclair, who was one of the best players at the Liverpool Academy when we were looking there back at Brentford and we loaned Sergi Canos out of there. Uh, Sinclair ended up going to Watford uh, on a free with a, a tribunal fee that was, I think, fairly big, and then was at Sink, uh, Sunderland, a bit messy, and then now has been uh, loaned to Oxford. So it's a it's a funky case where you don't really still know if these guys are good, and this is the other side of it. Um, and if, if we had seen this sort of trajectory, and you will see this sort of trajectory from some of these top-tier players that that are coming out of the academies. People are like, oh, they're amazing. And then they just don't quite work out, or we don't know if they work out. So uh, that's intriguing. And then the last one was one that had a bunch of rumors around it. didn't happen. Uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi also didn't happen. Uh, Chelsea stuck their, their feet in. But Celta Vigo are a really interesting team because there was a lot of stuff going around from this summer about how good their talent was, and they, they kind of surprised last year. They're great to watch in La Liga. And then this window, it went weird. Uh, this season has been weird for them too. I know you've looked at looked at this a bit. Um, yeah, they've they've. Um, we we did a project where we were looking at players some while ago, and um, quite a few few of their players like stood out to us. And yeah, it, it feels like uh, last season was de- like quite decent, and uh, they didn't really sell sell some of their players that, that, that they could have and now we're in an odd situation where this season doesn't look very good at all in fact they're in I think they're in relegation spots at the moment and suddenly it's like right you're these assets that looked um looked saleable and promising people like Maxi Gomez or um 
puny sister I know you've you've had a long long interest in um Johnny obviously went via Atletico to to Wolves and is a you know as we've now seen this season is a decent decent fullback um they, they signed Matthias Jensen in the summer, who I like, and he's only had one start, which is Love a Jensen, bit annoying. But yeah, when you're in a relegation battle, like, the kids don't generally get played. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's a funny one, but yeah, it it it, it just goes just goes to show that like you know you've you've really got to kind of keep a close eye on things. You want to keep a team together, but also sometimes your players your players like kind of attracts attention at, at the right time, and it can be the right time to sell like one or two. Especially when you're not a small, smaller club, but a kind of like mid-range club like Celta Vigo, um, and yeah, you wonder how they're kind of gonna they're gonna progress. You know, and obviously they need to need to stay up this season, but you know, if if, if by some hook or crook they didn't, then my God, the the vultures would descend on them, I think, because they have got talent there. So, well, Nikos's favorite player is still there too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, my boiler Boca, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's actually quite interesting to because the numbers floated around for their their players that were first teamers were significant in the summertime. Like I mean, Aglaspis is there, and he's actually been one of the better attackers in Spain, not part of um, the big clubs since he went back. Uh, you know, it didn't work out at Liverpool for reasons, but he's been good. Um, but Maxi Gomez was somewhere i mean even the numbers this window were floated around like 40 million pounds uh i think he turned down and moved to china for 35 uh about a year ago so he's that, that's a big number they they brought in Buffal, who uh, i'm indifferent about not a big fan but obviously um pion is there and Pione numbers were like 25 to 30 labaka numbers were in that range as well they moved johnny johnny went for seven and then <laughs> 15 uh, is what we yeah, think at least <laughs> wolves have signed him for uh, the Jorge Mendez uh, rope dope I don't have any idea what's going on there as no one else does um, they also signed Emre Moore who we thought was really interesting but apparently is an absolute mess behind the scenes and, and has issues there so like you know but when you look at those numbers like they, they could have easily brought in 100 to 150 um you know, this summer if they wanted to sell and then and restock they didn't and and now they're struggling and now they're looking at maybe half that if they wanted to to reclaim a lot of value which they think is too low because they they think they've got good players it's just a, a tricky thing and, and i think both of those elements you know the transfer market is difficult sometimes and there are mistakes that you can make everywhere uh you got to be careful about it it's it's almost impossible to play perfectly uh, we are seeing you know this transfer window especially English clubs got a lot more conservative I think largely because some of the the middle tier have overspent dramatically uh, mistakes have been made and so there's not the money and to be fair Europe has gotten a lot better at extracting value for their players and often trying to overcharge it because they know the Premier League has a lot of money Premier League has gotten stuck in a bit and you know I think you'll see the the market again normalize a little more this summer it'll be fairly straightforward there's no World Cup or anything like that um, but yeah, so that's the roundup. Uh, it was a bit of a damp squib, as I guess they call it. Uh, not squid. <laughs> and uh, I, it's fine. I, the Premier League season has been great, though. So like we, we've got that. And uh, Champions League gets fired up in, in this month as well. Yeah, that's not a long way at all. And we'll, you know, we'll continue to talk about all these things. But yeah, the January transfer window. I don't know. I'm trying to think of an... A, a, <laughs> an equivalent example somewhere of something that's that promises so much yet delivers so little but you know that's that sums that sums it up really the tories 
They, I don't think they promise anything. Oh, that's true, actually. Sorry. But they, no, they just deliver nothing as well. In fact, <laughs> right. And on that note, uh, you know, we're going to finish up with the NBA. No. Uh, we're going to say goodbye and thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week. Till the next time. <laughs>